Welcome to the Invisible India podcast. I'm Jessica. And I'm Abhishek. We are a cross-cultural couple doing life in India, exploring the lesser-known mysteries of Indian culture, interviewing fascinating figures who have chartered new territories, and sharing life as we raise our multicultural family amongst the complexities of modern Indian life. I wanted to record this episode on a bit of a travel guide on Bodhgya, which is the most famous Buddhist site in the world, most visited uh, Buddhist site in India. And uh, it's just really incredible um, to think about how such a hugely important and historic place is actually right in the middle of the least developed state in India. And just there's so much potential for how this can be developed and and changed, but I wanted to give my perspective and my thoughts on my trips there, how we felt going there. I'm recording this episode kind of in real life fashion. I've got my balcony windows open. You can hear the birds chirping and hear the sights and sounds and of Bihar, what it's like here. Bihar, back in the day when um, Buddha was was alive, was um, you know was a part of a much greater empire. It was a it was a most one of the most influential places on earth, and certainly the most influential place in India. And now to see where it has where it is now is quite shocking. But yet this incredibly important and historic place is here. So that brings a some very interesting tensions as uh, they're trying to attract international travelers. It is a world heritage site for a UNESCO World Heritage Site, but it's very interesting as the uh, modern India and ancient India clash in one place. One of the most fascinating things about living in India is how the modern and the ancient are side by side intertwined and often present within the same person simultaneously. It's been said that India has 10,000 years of living history right now today. So that means basically see people are doing some of the same things that were done 10,000 years ago in the same way, which is pretty fascinating. So let's walk through the Mahabodhi Temple, which is the most famous site in Bodhgya. Many people will go directly to Bodhgya by flight from different countries, but commonly local people will go through Patna, which is the largest city in Bihar, and that will give you the real experience of uh, <laughs> modern Bihar with all of the traffic, the uh, trash, the uh, interesting kinds of uh, corruption that we have here and how that plays itself out, and it's supposed to be a very serene experience. So arriving in Bodhgya, it's uh, like any other small Indian town. There's, um, you know, fields everywhere. There's trash. There's, there's different kinds of um, transport. Uh, what we call belgari, you know, like an ox cart, horse carts, cycle rickshaws, auto rickshaws, people walking, dogs, wild animals running around, completely surrounded by rural area, which is really fascinating just to see how people live using cow dung for fuel, 
making their homes out of bricks made out of mud from the land around them. It's really fascinating to see the brick kilns, to see the wheat fields, to see the, the way that people do farming all by hand. It's incredible. So the journey there is a journey through rural India, really. <laughs> it's kind of fascinating. When you get to Bodhgya, you'll see that they have the Bodhi gate, and you go through that gate, which uh, takes you into that, the Buddhist part of town, and uh, where all the temples are. In each country that is, uh, have a lot of tourists for, for Buddhist uh, sites, have their own temple, and some of these are just gorgeous, built in, in many different fashions, beautiful places. The most famous is the Mahabodhi Temple, which was built on the site where Buddha sat and achieved enlightenment. So getting there is like any other Indian experience. You know, it's very crowded. There's a lot of hustle going around and, you know, nothing is marked properly. You have to go ask someone, how do I get here? How do I get there? But once you get into the temple grounds, you know, you have to leave your phone outside you hear just this this enchanting type of the sounds you know it's um, silence people aren't supposed to be talking a lot but there's the chanting going on from various different directions you've got the Sri Lankan group you've got the Thai group you've got the Tibetan groups you've got random white people groups then you've got Indians and Biharis you've got people from various walks of life who are there um, doing different kinds of meditations and chantings it's really fascinating to see. Once you walk into the temple, you, you go through the metal detector, take your shoes off, and go towards the main site. And it's really an enchanting experience to see the temple, to realize whether you follow Buddhist traditions or not, to see a part of this incredible history is, is just amazing. And seeing how people still revere Buddhist practices in such a diverse way, it's pretty fascinating. Also, just to see how India does historical sites is, is pretty interesting. You know, pretty much in India, if it's a historical site, they make a temple out of it. They make a shrine out of it. There's not, you know, museums are not very popular, but temples are very popular. Mosques are popular. Shrines are popular. This is how India does tourism is through religion, basically. One of the fascinating things is that, like most things in India, nothing is explained. There's no signboards explaining much of the history there are but they're very confusing and basically translated directly from Sanskrit texts it make no sense to most people even Indians it's it's very confusing so it's not a very well done experience for internationals you basically need to hire a guide or already know the stories through your history through your upbringing to really get the full experience one of the most fascinating things that I think is how just upon arriving there, you see one, how much of an impact one simple person could make. You can almost imagine Buddha growing up in, in what's now Nepal and going through India in these places, which are actually not that different from what they were back then, several thousand years ago. You can see that maybe, you know, some things haven't changed much there and imagine and feel what it was like for him to be walking the earth here or riding on 
an ox cart or a horse cart or however he may have traveled there. It's pretty fascinating to think about and feel and what does he eat? What were the smells that he smelled? What were the experiences he had? The climate, the air, and just how he felt. You you can almost feel those things, which is really incredible. And then to see how many people are just um, still following those traditions today is pretty incredible. One of the things about traveling in India is that you would expect for a UNESCO World Heritage Site for it to be actually up to standard and really internationally well done, but it's not. You know, many of the things are still very local and um, hygiene and quality is not necessarily up to par. I've been there a couple of times and I've ordered Thai food, which is always a mistake because it's some kind of, you know, Indianized version of what they think Thai food is supposed to be like with a few Thai ingredients. <laughs> so it's horrible. Uh, I love Indian food, so I basically just decided that I'm probably just going to stick with Indian food in Bodh Gaya because that's where we are and that's where everything's sourced and that's actually what tastes the best and most consistent. So <laughs> pro travel tip there is if you're in a small town in India where there's not access to anything else, just eat the local food. Bodh Gaya has an interesting subculture. There's kind of the hippie culture of people there. Um, there's also the local Indian culture of people that live there who are just going out and wanting to do something for the evening. And then there are people, the Indian tourists. And so there's an interesting mix of, of people's wants and desires and what they offer there. And I think there's tons of room for development there. If I were to tell someone to start a business, I would probably tell them to start some amazing touristy type of stuff. Much to be done. How do I feel personally about my trip to Bodh Gaya? Interesting being a Westerner, not having grown up knowing a lot about Buddhism, not knowing that Gautam Buddha actually grew up in this region, was from the Indian subcontinent. I didn't know any of this stuff. And so just getting to kind of walk in those footsteps is very humbling, whether or not you know, you consider yourself a Buddhist, I think these kind of places are really important to visit from a historical perspective, an educational perspective for your kids. I think that for me personally, having, you know, my husband is from here and, and his people groups for hundreds, maybe even thousands of years, walked this land. And so it's really fascinating to me to help my kids to kind of have a connection with this place and something that they should really be proud of you know, coming from this place and, and now living in this place, it's, it's very humbling and it's very touching to be connected with a piece of history. So I, I highly recommend Bodh Gaya. I think it's fascinating. I think it's humbling and a bit mind-blowing in some ways. If you've been to Bodh Gaya and if there's anything that we're missing, please comment on our social media pages or on the podcast itself in the comments. Or better yet, if you're from Bodh Gaya, or the surrounding area, Gaya, Rajgir, please leave your comments for us and let us know if there's anything that we've missed. We certainly don't know everything. We just have one small perspective in the larger picture. So please let us know what you think about Bodh Gaya, what, what it's really like.